Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law and the Virtual Justice Project. We thank you for joining us this evening. Women's History Month began on March 1st of this year and is designated as a time to honor and celebrate the achievement of women. On our side of town, we take this opportunity to celebrate and honor the outstanding and countless contributions that African-American women have made to us personally and to our struggle for freedom, justice, and equality. This month's celebration follows the completion of African-American History Month, but we choose this time to continue that celebration since it is impossible to separate the two. Usually during the celebration, you look to identify the highly acclaimed and famous individuals who are widely known and acclaimed. In our community, we look for those who have inspired and guided us through our life's passage. As such, many of our sheroes may not be widely acclaimed and known, but have provided critical contributions and grounding in our lives. For this month, the Legal Eagle Review is going to focus on some of our sheroes, but our intent is to celebrate all of those who have earned our praises and deserve our attention. So we begin this celebration with three women from the North Carolina Central University School of Law who have joined with us tonight to discuss their sheroes and how those outstanding individuals contributed to their growth and development. So joining us for this discussion are Sierra McCahan, Nastasia Harris, and Terry Rowley. So I wanna thank each of you for joining with us for this discussion. All right, well, at the outset, let, let, let's um, kind of do a round robin. And for our audience, if you could kind of briefly talk about your background and your life journey, which has placed you in the place that you find yourself tonight. So why don't we start out with Ms. Uh, McKayhern. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a uh, 3-0 here at North Carolina Central. Um, prior to coming here, I worked um, as a registered nurse. Um, I went to Hampton University for undergrad, graduated from there, um, worked as a registered nurse uh, for several years, um, and went back to school for my master's and began working in a nonprofit once I relocated back to North Carolina. Um, working with fathers and helping them to um, become more active and involved in their children's lives. And that is what brought me into law school. So being able to help them um, learn about the rights that they have as fathers and, and learning how to help them um, have access to their kids was something that was important to me. And so it was something that um, 
made me want to come to law school. And so now I'm almost done. And that's crazy to me, but I'm very excited and very um, happy to have um, had my legal education within this institution. Okay. Ms. Harris. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am also a third year law student at North Carolina Central University. Um, I'm from I'm originally from Chicago, um, but I, I'm also a military child. So I've lived in numerous places. Um, I actually went to undergrad at um, Northern Arizona University um, out in Flagstaff to PWI school. Um, and originally I didn't want to go to law school um, but it wasn't until I, um, I minored in like this ethnic studies program. And um, I just became really, really curious about learning the law for myself. Um, fast forward, I found my way uh, to Fayetteville, North Carolina, where I worked as a paralegal, um, a family law, personal injury paralegal. And um, I found out um, about North Carolina Central. Um, people speak very highly of the school down there. So I toured the school and I absolutely loved it, loved it. And now I'm here and I'm almost finished, which is absolutely crazy. Um, still doesn't feel like it. <laughs> okay, Ms. Riley. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Joyner and Dean Dawson for having us here today. It's, a, of course, a, a privilege to be here. Um, let's see, I'm a little bit of a non-traditional student, uh, as we know. I am not a three-year uh, three student. I am a second-year student. And um, it still just seems to have just be going by so fast. So I can relate to what Ms. Harris is saying. Um, but um, I begin my career um, at the University of South Carolina. And um, I didn't know, I didn't plan to go to college, no intention of going whatsoever. I didn't think I could go to college. I was the kind that could, could go to college. And uh, my guidance counselor told me, yeah, you're going to college. Uh, ended up at USC, graduated. I majored in English because that was the only class that I could not get a bad grade in. So I picked English and figured, hey, let me go. Let's see how this works out. Uh, ended up that I loved writing and I, and I actually loved sciences. And so I got, got into the IT industry as a technical writer, my first job. From there, I just kind of blossomed into other roles and I ended up designing software applications. And um, I guess about 12 to 13 or 14 years later, I started my own IT firm and um, I ran that firm for about, I think, nine, nine or 10 years. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. We developed our own um, suite of software. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. From there, I started doing um, some government relations work. And that's where I discovered my true passion for advocacy. Um, and I realized that that's the thing I would do for free if I could that if I, I, I would do it for free. And so I knew that's where I fit. And um, I felt that the best way for me to be the best advocate was to come to law school. And like Ms. Harris, I came to, I, I met, um, uh, I met a gentleman at, an, at another conference. I used to work at another um, HBCU. And I met him there and he, his presentation was so impressive. 
I came to tour Central, fell in love. And that was all I wanted. I first day there, I bought a t-shirt. <laughs> That was a, I bought a t-shirt and, um, you know, I have been excited since then. And uh, law school, if you can get beyond the, the sting of the classes and just remember the why you're there and um, you meet some really cool people along the way. Uh, Dean Dawson is one of these really cool people who, who got me. <laughs> she, she speaks, she understands the me that has to do this advocacy work and and that has made all the difference professor joiner um you're a legacy uh at least where i come from and you know your work has just the things that you you both contributed to us as a people is something that i value and appreciate so very much so so thank you for allowing me to join you today well you know i um as I approached uh, this month, and indeed uh, African American History Month, I always uh, want to look back at uh, my mother and my grandmother and the contributions that, uh, that they made. But then I try to do a catalog of all of the other uh, luminaries and uh, prominent individuals that uh, I've encountered over my life. Uh, and the contribution that they've made uh, going back as far as uh, Sojourner Truth and uh, uh, Harriet Tubman. Of course, I wasn't there with them, uh, but I've seen their re reproductions on televisions and then up through uh, Angela Davis and uh, Aretha Franklin and Shirley Chisholm and Helen Edmonds and a whole lot of people, just too numerous uh, to name. Uh, that uh, serve as uh, uh, enlightening individuals uh, in my life and in my uh, thought processes. So I, I say that as an introduction to, to each of you to kind of describe, you know, your, your, your sheroes, uh, you know, who, are, uh, who have been uh, the sheroes uh, in, in your life. And we have some time, so if you just take one apiece, you know, uh, before we get to our uh, first break. And uh, so we can just start with uh, Ms. McCahern and we'll, we'll start with you and then go back to uh, the circle again. But uh, these heroes who are worthy of uh, your mention and uh, have contributed so mightily to the youth that you have now become. Yeah, I, I appreciate um, this uh, being being able to to mention people um, like your introduction spoke to people who may not have had the the critical acclaim yet, um, but who are are really doing work. Um, I recently saw a post that um, said, "I am Black history, and as long as I'm Black, I'm making history." Um, and it really stuck out to me because I think that everything that we are doing right now will one day be in the history books in some way, um, and it somehow impacts. Um, everyone in our environment um, and, and those to come and follow us. And so um, for me, my Shiro, and I know it's cliche, but it's my truth. Um, I, I will definitely say it's my mother. Um, she has been, um, she has been leadership um, by example. And I think when I think of in inspiration and I think of, um, of 
impact to the community. She's one of those people I think about. Um, I kind of think about throwing a stone into the pond and, you know, that stone kind of disappears and falls beneath the surface, but those ripple effects continue to go out into the community, into that pond. Um, and I think that's, that's how I think of her and that's how I've watched her live her life. And that's how, um, you know, one day I hope to be. Ms. Harris. Um, I too, um, I'm gonna jump right on that bandwagon with Sierra and uh, be cliche as well. And I definitely consider my mother um, to be my ultimate hero. Um, she has made so many sacrifices for me, um, especially with us like moving around. Um, she made it a point to, you know, uh, make us um, or, or expose us to different cultures. Um, she's like my biggest support system. I can't tell you how many times she has um, woken up in the middle of the night to listen to my tears and my cries um, in my law school, ex school experience. And um, she's just my rock. And I honestly would not be where I am um, today without her. So she's my number one Shiro. Um, and just like, um, you, um, you said, uh, Professor Joyner, um, there is a catalog of, of other women. I actually had the pleasure of meeting, um, uh, Miss Angela Davis, uh, when I was in undergrad, I was like starstruck. So I didn't even really know what to say, um, to her. But um, some other notable um, sheroes of mine would be um, like Ruby Bridges um, or even um, Claudette uh, Colvin. And I actually just uh, found out about her not too long ago, um, actually while I was in law school. And, you know, everybody knows about, you know, Rosa Parks and the Montgomery bus cot, a boycott, bus boycott. Um, um, but nobody knows that Miss um, uh, Colvin um, did this before her. Um, and she was actually 15 years old. She wasn't, you know, an adult. So, um, and then, you know, with Ruby Bridges, she was also a young child, six years old, um, when she, you know, bravely went into um, that school down there in New Orleans and um, helped desegregate the schools down there. Um, it's just absolutely amazing and inspiring um, for me to think that, you know, us, you know, black women, we're just so young and we're making such huge impacts in, um, you know, contributing to the, the revolution. So um, those will be my sheroes. Okay. Ms. Rowley. Yes, sir. I would certainly, um, I mean, immediately when you asked the question, it, it, the only hero that I could, that came to my mind was, of course, my mother. Um, I, every single day, I look at myself and I'm like, you are a replica of your mother. You know, like I, I see myself, I, I, I see how I do things the way she did them then, or, and I understand why she said certain things or why she did things a certain way or, or why we were always the house where everybody came for help. Um, whether it was a job or you needed help understanding something, um, you just, we were that house. And I realized that my parents, 
I learned at such a young age that it's my duty and my responsibility. And it's, it's because of my parents, especially my mother. She is, she is the, the high, that's as high as I, in my mind, that's as high as, as it gets for me. Um, my, my favorite um, civil rights hero, Shiro, is uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. Uh, her birthday is the day before my birthday. Um, I just, I love her. Can't listen to it without crying. Those are my Shiro's. I have so many more. I am me because of Shiro's. Um, but my mother, of course, is, she's just at that top of the list. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is uh, the Legal Legal Review. And uh, we're talking with uh, three outstanding uh, law students as we uh, celebrate uh, African-American women during this uh, Women's History Month. Uh, we're going to take our break right now. I want you to uh, stay with us as we continue this conversation. So we'll be right back. I'm Nastasha Harris, a third-year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your Virtual Justice Spotlight. History shows that despite the minor role of leadership by women in national policy-making decisions, women have made significant contributions to help build the nation. As President Jimmy Carter stated, women have worked together to build this nation, and too often, women were unsung and sometimes unnoticed. But the achievements, leadership, courage, strength, and love of the women who built America was as vital as that of the men whose names we know so well. Every year, March is designated as Women's History Month by Presidential Proclamation. The month is set aside to honor the many sheroes in American history. One shero in particular is Durham's very own Reverend Dr. Pauli Murray. Dr. Murray was an American lawyer, women's and civil rights activist, priest, author, and co-founder of the National Organization for Women. A feminist icon, Dr. Murray challenged race and gender discrimination in legal, societal, academic, and religious circles. Before the Montgomery bus boycott and the Greensboro sit-ins, Dr. Murray refused to move to the back of the bus in Virginia and organized restaurant sit-ins in Washington, D.C. Her legal scholarship laid the groundwork for the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's argument in Reed v. Reed, which marked the first time that the Equal Protection Clause would be applied to a case of sex discrimination. In 2016, Dr. Murray's childhood home in Durham was designated as a National Historic Landmark, representing only 2% of the 95,000 entries in the National Register of Historic Places to focus on the experiences of African Americans. More information is at paulimurraycenter.com and now.org. Virtual Justice at NCCU School of Law is the intersection of technology and the legal clinical program. I'm Nastasha Harris. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Eagle Review. Thank you so very much for staying with us uh, this evening as we uh, talk with uh, three outstanding uh, going to be lawyers uh, here at uh, North Carolina Central uh, Law School. And we are celebrating African-American women, sheroes, uh, as a part of the uh, uh, Women's History Month. Uh, so we appreciate their being here to share this 
with us and they have um, started us out with uh, some comments about uh, their number one Shiro. Uh, and in each instance, it was their mother, but you know, not to be uh, left out in the cold, we obviously have to talk with Maya Cocos uh, about her uh, her heroes, and uh, as we uh, continue this uh, this conversation. So, uh, uh, Dean, uh, uh, what's what's your response? <laughs> well, you know, there's something about mamas, and uh, as I was listening to um, these lovely women here talking about the impact that their mothers have had on them, I of course couldn't help but reflect on mine, um, who I lost about a, a little over a year ago and, you know, couldn't help but tear up a, a little bit. And, you know, to have, uh, to think about, to, you know, being a black woman and knowing that the obstacles oftentimes that we face because we are women, because we are women of color, because we are African-American women, to see the strength and power uh, in our mothers just reaffirms that we can, we can do this, we can overcome the challenges. So I don't think one can overstate the importance of having uh, a strong mother figure. And there are a number of people, um, black women in particular, who may not have um, mothers who are blood relatives, but have aunties and grandmothers uh, who have served in that role. And so uh, I, like, you know, our wonderful guest here would nowhere be where I am today if it had not been for my mother. Um, but just to name a couple of other women who have been my sheroes, who I don't know personally or did not know personally, but who made an impact on me in terms of assuring me that, that I can do this, that I can be a lawyer, that I can be an educator, that I can make a difference in this world. Um, Barbara Jordan, uh, of course. Um, uh, you know, someone right here from the Durham area, Loretta Lynch, uh, who became the first African-American female um, uh, head of the Department of Justice, the Attorney General. Uh, and of course, and I know we're gonna talk about her in a little bit, but Kamala Harris, who is a graduate of an HBCU, um, a lawyer, and of course, the historic first woman and first woman of color, first uh, black woman to be vice president of the United States. And so, uh, yeah, just, it's absolutely wonderful that there are so many great um, examples of where we can be, where we can go. Uh, and, and on that note, I'd actually like to ask our guest, you know, Ms. McCairn, there was something that you had said. You had read something and it said, as long as I'm black, I'm making history. And I, when you said that, it made me think that, you know, we are observed from afar oftentimes. And there are people who have impacted my life who I can't even begin to name, who are not famous, that no one else would recognize, uh, and that we are observed from afar. When you all decided to go to law school, when you think about being part of this noble profession, have you thought about how you're going to serve as an inspiration and motivation for other Black women, 
young Black girls. Um, what are your thoughts about the role that you're going to play and how you're going to, in fact, be Shiro's for um, people coming behind you? Oh, I would say, I think being, um, being at an HBCU, I think a, a lot of the nature of the culture of, of the institution um, prepares you in a lot of ways and considers a lot of the obstacles that you may have as a person of color or as a woman or any of those things. So I think that some of the things that are naturally ingrained in being a student um, here kind of puts us on that path already. So being able to have mentees um, as two O's and three O's and, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if what I'm providing is beneficial, but, you know, I know that I'm available. And I think that when, um, when I think about wanting to, um, you know, have impact, I think a lot of it is about access and making yourself available to people who have questions for you, making yourself available to people who, um, you know, just want to talk to you. So I think um, for me, you know, I just want to make myself as available as possible and, you know, avail my any resources I have to other students or other, you know, people. And I think um, whatever comes from that will be, you know, all that I'm, you know, all that I hope for it because I know how beneficial it was for me to be able to speak to alums, to be able to speak to women of color, to be able to come to my professors and have access to them and their networks and um, their knowledge. And so I think that I will um, do my best to follow suit in that way. Um, I uh, completely agree with uh, what Sierra said. And uh, that's actually something that I've been thinking about a lot, um, especially this year now that um, I'm about to graduate, um, is what am I going to do and what impact do I really want to make um, once you know I graduate and I enter into the real world? Um, I do think that I'll be like one of those people in the background making such a huge impact, but you know, not in the, the spotlight. Um, but I was blessed to have like a really, really strong support system um, like Sierra. And um, I was just really, really thankful for my, uh, you know, past mentors and my current mentors right now. And, um, I just know that for sure, for sure, um, I definitely want to be that type of a woman that, um, you know, young black women and all women, <clears throat> women of color could look up to. Um, I want to be that person that, you know, they can confide in and um, I could just be there to let them know that they can be and do whatever they want to do. And, you know, women of color, we are just as capable of, of being the greatest, being at the top um, and being in, in power, um, just like our male counterparts and um, just continuing to um, re, you know, enforce that into like young minds, I think is very, very important. Uh, Dean Dawson, if I can chime in on and to add to what the young ladies have um, already offered, it won't be much more, it's just that, um, I have always tried to look at life not title-based. Um, I like to look at it from a perspective of what am I doing? What is my impact? Um, once I learned, number one, how to make money, and I, I realized how useless a title really is, <laughs> um, what you have to focus on is whether or not you can make a difference. 
And um, I've worked, been in positions where I've been out front all the time. And, um, and I've been in positions where I learned that my power was just not out front. In fact, I had I, had, I was more effective working from behind. I prefer that position now. I prefer working from, I, there is so much joy in it because it's, it's, I don't know, it's very, it's so much more fulfilling. And um, I, I like, I like doing a lot of different things. The hardest part is trying to stay focused on one thing, but the, the most meaningful thing I've ever done is um, constituent support. I worked for, um, a, leg- a South Carolina legislator, one of the greatest who will ever grace this earth. And she taught me things that you, you, you can't learn except that you glean and you sit at the feet of someone who has experience. And um, she would get on the phone with constituents after working all day and she would call them and they would be complaining about very, what to us, very small and minute things like there was a, somebody threw a cup in their yard or the neighbor's dog won't stop barking. And she would be on the phone with these people for like 30, 45 minutes, you know, and I'm like, but you're tired. I know you haven't eaten since nine. It's now almost 10 o'clock. We need to stop. But that's her, her heart was, is with her people. Like, like, why would you, but you, you will, if you care about the people that you really here to serve and I don't mean just from a political perspective I just mean we're all here to serve someone um and if we care about them then we will we'll listen to it and we'll figure out a solution for the cat that won't stop you know pooping on your porch or (laughs) we'll we'll figure out a way around it little small things but that's that's uh to me some of the greatest joys in our in, in life is eradicating misfortune um and eliminating uh, tragedy, for, for, especially for my people. Um, if I can't eliminate it, then let me try it. If I can't help you get your son out of prison, then let me see if we can get him moved closer to you so you can go and, and visit him. The gas bill won't be so high for you to drive back and forth. Um, the The need for for to have to be represented as a people on every front. I'm not saying anything new. It's just very prominent. So we have to do, we have to get in where we fit in. And that might be with a title. It might not be. It might, we, our names might not, we might, I might not be Fannie Lou. <laughs> That's okay. I have, I like what Fannie Lou did. And as far as I'm concerned, I've been Fannie Lou a long time. So I'm good. <laughs> I mean, me and Fannie Lou know I'm Fannie Lou. So that's all that matters, right? So I just think that at the end of the day, um, if there's anything I can contribute at all to anyone, it's to just make their life better. Um, leave, leave them in the, uh, I don't wanna be a deficit to them. I don't wanna be a liability. I just wanna be helpful. And I wanna leave them in a better place than I found them if that's my assignment to do. Well, you know, the, um, the prominence of uh, many people that we find on our luminary list is uh, often due to accident of birth in terms of location uh, and uh, in terms of uh, events. 
uh, because many of them never sought out the kind of notoriety that uh, they uh, received, but ended up where they were because of their place in history or where they just happened to be at that uh, particular time. As Harris uh, mentioned, uh, Ruby Bridges at six years old did not make the decision that she wanted to be the first to uh, desegregate uh, public schools in, uh, in, uh, in, in New Orleans, uh, but uh, was uh, a, uh, uh, in the position that history called upon her at that moment. Let me you know, raise uh, you know, the, the question of what is it that you, you, you look for in a, uh, in a Shiro? And uh, then how, how does that, you're, you're looking for impact your vision of your life and what it is that uh, that you pretend to do uh, with uh, with the skills that you have, and uh, let me just start with Miss Harris on this since she brought up uh, Ruby Bridges and uh, uh, one of my sheroes as well. <laughs> um, I definitely would say that um, what I really appreciated. Um, about Ruby Bridges and even Claudette Coven was um, their confidence. Um, the fact that they were able in the midst of um, just all the oppression and all of these people that you know are against them for just the way that they look and just how they were still able to focus on the end goal. What is it that I want to accomplish with Ruby Bridges? It was to get an education um, with um, Claudette. It was to you know, let everyone know that she was just as entitled to sit wherever she wanted to on the bus. Um, so just that um, that confidence, that uh, resilience, um, and positivity. Just you know, staying positive in the midst of all the negativity, and um, it's something that I strive for every single day. Um, I'm always confronted with some type of negativity. Um, but I just try my best to just stay focused and understand that this is just a temporary thing. And um, eventually, like, I will get to where I need to go and that's all that matters. Okay, Yeah, so um, honestly, I appreciate the, um, the, the person that sees the people that aren't seen. Um, and or are overlooked and misunderstood. Um, so when I think about someone like a Ella Baker and I, I just think about like her impact and like how she, it was important for her to use her gifts to help young people who were growing. Like, um, so it was her using what she had and empowering other people to use what they had. And when I think about my mom, I think about the same thing. Like she um, went to school to be an educator and not just that, being an educator was important to her, but being a special educator. So, so educating a population of people that, that um, are often overlooked or misunderstood. And so having some representation for people who, um, who, who aren't seen. And I think that that's um, a characteristic that that's really important to me um, and, and really something that has impacted me because I got to see her, um, see those people and honor those people as people just like us, you know, like, and, and so, um, or advocate for the people who didn't have a voice. Um, and so I think that for me, that's, that's one of the characteristics that's really important. Ms. Riley. 
Yes, sir. I um I think I I'm, I'm definitely in, in the same vein that Miss Harris and Miss McCahern are, are in, which is, you know, I look for I, I don't know that I look for the Shiro, except that the Shiro catches my attention. Um, because when I came this to Central, I'd never seen so many black female attorneys in my life. I felt like I was in a candy store and I was starstruck for like, like the first, my first year I was like in awe and clad. I, I mean, I couldn't get over it. I mean, like, I still have moments where I find myself like, is this real? Like, and I know we're so used to it, but that's not the real world. We go, <laughs> what we have is very rare and unique, but I think the Shiro catches your attention because of what you believe on the inside. Um, it is the woman who sees, who recognizes someone who doesn't have a voice. It's the woman who is busy, who, who will get busy minding somebody else's business if it means fighting for equality or justice for them. Um, that's the woman that will take a stand when, if she has to stand alone, it's, so be it. She stands alone, but she will take a stand. And so I think that they summed it up best. I mean, that's, that's who that Shiro is. And, and if you respect and love those qualities, you're just going to be naturally drawn to it. All right. You are listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we've been talking this hour in honor of Women's History Month, actually coming on the tail end of Black History Month. We've been talking about African-American sheroes with three of our outstanding students here at North Carolina Central University School of Law. We have Sierra McCahern, she is a 3L, and Nastasia Harris, also a 3L. They are both uh, have one foot out the door. <laughs> and we have Ms. Terrace Riley, who is a 2L. We're gonna have to take a quick break, but we hope you stay with us. We've got so much more to share. Uh, we'll be right back. Good evening. My name is Reginald Woods II, and I am a current 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law. And I would like to personally thank you for supporting and listening to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking show that is made possible by the Virtual Justice Project of the North Carolina Central University School of Law, as well as listeners like yourself. For more information regarding the show, or past episodes, or the latest happenings surrounding our host, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Legal Eagle Review. Again, my name is Reginald Wist II, and thank you for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. 
I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking with three NCCU School of Law students. Uh, we have Sierra McCahern, Nastasia Harris, and Terrace Riley. And what, right before the break, uh, Professor Joyner had asked each of you what you look for in a Shiro. And um, a couple of you have mentioned learning about some of these individuals who have impressed you and who have motivated you. Uh, so, Miss um, Harris, you mentioned that Claudette Coven, you actually just recently learned about her. And I know there are many folks that are not familiar with her. Miss um, Riley, you mentioned Fannie Lou Hamer. I did not learn of Fannie Lou Hamer until I was in college. Miss um, McCahern, you mentioned Ella Baker. There are a number of people who are not familiar with her. And I wanted for each of you to kind of talk about whether we do a good job of highlighting these remarkable, remarkable African-American women. Um, and Miss Harris, I I'd like to start with you. And let me just say that your voice and your name should not be unfamiliar to our listening audience because you are actually one of the folks who help us with this program. You do the announcements. Uh, and so hopefully uh, folks have picked up on that. But if not, I just wanted to give you a shout out and publicly thank you for all your support and help with the program. Thank you um, so much. Um, I was worried maybe the tone of my voice may have been a little different than when I do my announcements. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry. What was yeah, the so, the, so you had mentioned you just recently found out about, about Claudette Coven. And, you know, her story, it, it would have been nice if we had all learned about her when we were in grade school and learned about Fannie Lou Hamer. And there's so many African-American women who should be given credit and we should learn about that we don't. Do you have any thoughts on the, the poor job, frankly, that we're doing educating people about remarkable African-American women? Um, I definitely think that um, there is um, a lack of knowledge about, um, you know, African-American history and, um, you know, even elementary, middle, high school, even undergraduate um, studies. What I really, really appreciate about um, attending North Carolina Central University and the, you know, and the reason why, like, I decided to, you know, attend a HBCU is, you know, Black history is surrounded around us. Um, so I really, you know, a, a lot, there, there were a lot of things that I didn't know um, about my history, and that's because I didn't have access to it. So I really, really appreciate how, um, you know, HB, you know, HBCUs, like our professors and, you know, the teachers, they make an effort to, you know, remind us that, you know, of our importance in history and how much we have contributed to, um, you know, the nation and the world in, in general. Um, but as far as, you know, lower education, um, you know, preschool to 12th grade, I really do think that there should be an improvement. Ms. Riley, what are your thoughts? Um, definitely, uh, we, we, we need to hear more about our history and where we've come from and why we have accomplished what we have. I think it's convenient and easy for um, people to go with what's popular um, to go with what's known. You don't have to dig quite as much. 
Um, and then, you know, we, we, we still all don't have a, an appreciation for it yet. So we still have to, do, to work on continuing our appreciation. And so that we don't accept anyone else's narrative. We know the narrative for ourselves. We shape the narrative ourselves and then we project it ourselves. So a lot of that is our responsibility. And then it is the responsibility of those who are in a position to um, disseminate that information to do so. And, and you can do it. We, we have social media now. There are so few excuses. Um, it, you don't have to go with the name we've always known. You can, you can go with the, the one we don't know and then Let's talk about her. Let's talk about her accomplishments and, and what she was able to accomplish. And again, I think we can also do what we're doing just here today. The people with no names, um, but we still care. We, we're still gonna go forth and try to be and do the best we can. That lets pe other people who may not have a great name or may, or may not have some, uh, you know, accomplished some amazing feat yet, it's okay. You're still, you're still important and you're still valuable. So the celebration in and of itself is a wonderful thing. And what this program is a wonderful program in, in that you're, you're acknowledging it. And it would be nice if others did as well, but guess what? I'm on this one. I'm happy to do it here and I'm happy to promote what I've learned here and I'll take what I've learned here and share it with someone else. So we're on our way. <laughs> I would um, kind of piggyback off of both of those things. So again, like my introduction to Ella Baker was talking to you all and, and preparing for that. Um, and so I think that, you know, that was an amazing experience, but that was something that you all brought me into. That's something that, that you all provided for me. And so I think that there's, there's a lot to say about that. Um, but I also think about, um, I know Say Her Name has a very uh, powerful, powerful meaning, especially right now. Um, and I, but I also think that there are names that we can say right now. So, so for me to say that if I am black and my existence is black history, then the women that are my sheroes um, are, are, are making history now as well. So if I say Dr. Carla Eames is my hero, then then I'm saying her name right now. Um, and I don't have to wait until those moments or you know anything like that. I can take the opportunity now. Um, I also think like Ms. Riley spoke to, uh, we are a storytelling generation, uh, a Twitter, a Instagram, a Facebook, you know, there are stories to be shared all the time. And sometimes those stories are more negative, but if we you know, challenge ourselves to, um, when I see you, uh, Professor Dawson, Speaking about Kamala Harris and, and her um, induction into into president into vice presidency presidency for me to know you as a professor, but also be able to share that story with someone who hasn't heard your name. That's my job, and I think that that that's my responsibility, and that's me saying your name today. Um, and I think the same thing goes for for males and anything. Um, all the amazing things that you've done, Professor Joyner, like sharing your stories and sharing your successes, all of those I think are our opportunities to, to change that narrative and to empower ourselves to empower our future. Well, in the interest of uh, full disclosure, uh, Dean Dawson is uh, 
a graduate of Howard uh, University uh, Law School and claims some connection with uh, Kamala uh, Harris and is also a, uh, a sorrow of, uh, of hers uh, as well. So there's a particular pride uh, that is associated with that HBCU as well as other HBCUs in, uh, in uh, her uh, ascension to the uh, number two spot uh, that, uh, in this uh, country. But you know, there's a, this old song uh, that goes that nobody knows the trouble that I've seen. Uh, and and along, uh, along the way, um, do you think that the struggles that, that you're going through today and that you will be dealing with uh, tomorrow are similar to or uh, vastly different than, was the, uh, uh, than were the struggles of uh, those individuals that you deem as uh, your sheroes looking back? On uh, on their lives, and uh, and I raised that to point to just see how uh, how much progress uh, have we uh, experienced in this uh, country as a people, and then particularly in the in the general gender uh, context, uh, where where there has been significant progress or not. I'll um, I'll chime in on this first, and I'll I'll say that. I believe we've made tremendous progress. And I think proof of that is the Oval and our current vice president. Um, that has, that's, that speaks volumes in this country because it, she's been elevated to, you cannot ignore her. You, you, you can't look away if you want to. You can't pretend she's not the vice president of the United States. And um, nor can anyone deny that um, God forbid anything happen and um, our president were not able to function as president, we would then have our first, not female, but first black female president too. So I, I think that that is progress, so much progress. And the other, but the other side of the coin is that um, we still have a lot of the same struggle and um, it's the, the struggle is manifesting in different ways. It's abandonment, um, emotions that you have to overcome, past hurts that you have to overcome, um, being subdued or feeling subdued for so many decades, centuries. It's, it's still something that that has to be overcome in your head and in your heart. So I don't believe those struggles um, have progressed um, as much as we appear to have progressed naturally. So uh, I just believe we will catch up though, um, as will every other person um, in, of African-American descent. We just have to overcome and overcome is a, overcoming is a continual process that we just have to commit to. I definitely think it's a it's a heart change. Um, the in in heart changes sometimes I think can take a little bit more time than uh, we would like them to. And so I think that um, looking at things, we do have a lot of the same issues that we had. Um, you know, when our sheroes were here, or you know, like some of the historical people that we've mentioned so far. But um, I think that we are also the the 
the environment that our uh, my little sister is growing up in or my children will grow up in will be different because we have made the progressions that we have made. So have they been, uh, you know, completely eradicated all the things that make life difficult for us as African-American people? No, but I think that because of the changes that have been made, our, our young people are growing up with um, different, with access to different mindsets and access to different thought processes and principles. And companies are bringing in all these, having these diversity conversations I don't know if they're all as genuine as they might, you know, I don't know. But I think that, you know, that's something that was not in place, you know, 50 years ago. And so I think that even that placement in that conversation opens up doors for, um, for the youth to have a different type of experience, even if the heart, the heart itself hasn't changed. Yeah, um, and, and so just one point of clarification, as, as uh, Professor Joyner mentioned, um, yes, I, I graduated from Howard Law School and Kamala Harris uh, graduated from um, Howard undergraduate. We, we definitely have that connection. We have a connection because we are both in the divine nine. However, she is a member of the AKA sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha. I am a member, proud member of Delta Sigma Theta. Uh, all love there, um, but I didn't want to just uh, mention that. And also mention that I I'm a double HBCUer, so I graduated from Bennett College in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is an all African American um, institution of higher education. So, just want to give a shout out to my alma mater there. Um, so, Miss Riley, you mentioned, and Miss McCarran, you you mentioned as well that we've come a long way, and and that we're continuing to make progress. What advice would you all have, and this is kind of in recognition that you all are, are being observed and motivating and inspiring other Black women, young Black women, older Black women like myself, what advice would you give to African-American women about strategies that we can employ to make sure we continue to progress and, and even increase the progression because we know as far as African-American women have come when it comes to health disparities, we're still on the low end of the totem pole. When it comes to wages, we are still severely underpaid when it comes to when we're compared to men, both black and white and, and women um, of other races. So what advice would you give folks who are listening today? I would say work in your lane, like whatever your lane is, whatever your passion is. Um, I think that um, that gives so many opportunities um, in just education. So um, I think that your impact, as we've been discussing this entire time, you know, may be something that's, you know, a firecracker and everybody knows about it, but your impact might be a conversation with a coworker and, um, or, you know, my sister works in admissions and so her at a PWI. And so her being in those rooms to have those conversations with people when they're looking at um, applications and considering the factors they, they consider for admissions, her sitting in that room is, and having those conversations is, is impact is, um, you know, making a difference. And so I think that when we allow and empower our young people to find something they're passionate about and just just work in it and, and do what you can as it relates to equity and as it relates to uh, allowing people to be seen and using your voice, then, then 
that empowers you to, um, to, to move forward and also just continue to make a change. Dean Dawson, um, I certainly echo everything Sierra has said. Um, state, the first thing she said, which was work in your lane. Um, and your lane is going to be, you know, that's your sweet spot. That's that thing that you can do that nobody else can do like you do. And so there's, you, there's no need to worry about anybody taking over your lane because nobody can do it like you. Um, I think I'll, to add to what she's saying, I would... Um, the message I would give the younger me, uh, I'm 47, very proud of my age. I know I look 27. I use my <laughs> classmates all the time. But I, I, the thing that I, I would say is um, you, you have to learn to listen. And um, there are people who, who want to help you. And they're, they're trying to help you because they see something. And if you will let them polish you, then it, it can help you. The old school approach that people tend to use is I have to build, break you down to build you up. That does not work. I don't know why we ascribe to that, but it does not work. We live in the information age. As soon as you break somebody down, they are on the internet getting built back up. And then you look like the mean person for breaking them down. So we have to come up with new and innovative ways to approach people, to approach their problems. And that way is, is not anything that's brain spanking new. It's just called, it's common sense. You treat people with decency and respect. You treat people the way you would want to be treated. That's it. That nothing, there's, there's nothing profound about it. And um, as women, we have to be there for each other and, um, we have to band together and we have to make room at the table. If you have a seat, make somebody slide down. Excuse me, can you move your purse? <laughs> and let my friend sit here. Thank you, come on. Now we're both sitting at the table and we've just multiplied ourselves. So that's my two cents. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, we want to thank you all for being here and showing up for us and our listening audience. And we just can't thank you enough for sharing your insight and your and your wisdom uh, and sharing um, those that have impacted you. We had with us here in our Zoom radio studio, Sierra McKayhern. She is a graduating 3L. Nastasia Harris, also a graduating 3L. And Ms. Terrace Riley, who is a 2L. And we are sure we will have her on the show as a graduating 3L as well. So I'm giving you fair notice. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any comments or questions, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleaglereview at nccu.edu. And if you ever miss this show on Sunday, you can find the show on our Legal Eagle Review podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy and safe.